Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Someone with that access has been tampering. I still don't understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. If I got in far enough, I could reconstruct it. You shouldn't have come back for me. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. I'd like to go against you and see what you're <laughs> I've got a little challenge for you, Sark. A new recruit. Wants him in the games until he dies playing. On the other side of the screen, it all looks so easy. You'll regret this. Who's that guy? That's Tron. That's Tron. Who is your user program? Alan. Where did you hear that name? Well, that's your name, isn't it? The name of my user. If you are a user, and everything you've done has been according to a plan, right? Well, for some real user power. I don't know how you survived. Prepare to terminate. Hope Tron. I really think the users are still there. The users can no longer help us when lost. My user has information that could make this free system again. I want those conscripts! You should have joined me! You could have made a great team! No! There's nothing special about you. You're just an ordinary program. So are you. One that should have been erased. Send out every game tank in the grid! No! Nothing.
End of line. Welcome back to episode number three, Disney's 1982 Tron. Welcome to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo, and my co-host is Terrence. Terrence, yeah. Terrence, how are you doing today? Doing better. Cold Even, and wet? Uh, yeah. Because if you hear any background noise during this, there is a torrential downpour going on outside, and it's been going on for a couple hours now. It's pretty terrible. It's pretty terrible. Terrence delivers packages in the rain all day, so he's he might be a little crabby today. Yeah, my feet are wet. I'm always crabby when my feet are wet. <laughs> so um, we had somebody ask um, online uh, if we could go over our ages, because obviously me and Terrence have different viewpoints on different movies, and... They thought that maybe our ages have somehow affected our viewpoints. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, they're definitely different viewpoints from a generational standpoint. Right. Yeah. So I'll go first. Um, I was born in 1977, so I pretty much grew up uh, in the 80s uh, when you know when movies were really good movies. I love the action movies and buddy cop movies from that age. <laughs> and Terrence, so you want to go ahead and say when you were born? Yes, I was born in 1990, so that makes me 28, but I will be 29 next month on May 10th. So Terrence is our resident millennial. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, I don't know what you call me, Degeneration X. I, I looked <laughs> into it. it. It was Zenny. Like, you're in between. It's this really awkward period where you're in between Gen X and millennials. So they call them Zennials now. That was like a recent uh, article I, I read that came out like last month or something. So Okay, so I guess I'm a, you can just call me Generation Z then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, something else that um, I've been wanting to add something to the podcast. So what I'm going to do each week, or Terrence can do each week, is we're going to throw a random question at each other that we're going to put on the spot that we want answers right then. So, Terrence, my first question for you is, in all of cinema, what who do you think are the top five villains of all time? Ooh, top five villains of all time in cinema. Uh, I'm not talking about animation. Just no, of course, just just movies. Just gotcha. Uh, let's see. Off the top of my head, this is by no means a list of. I actually put thought into it since this is on the spot. <laughs> right, this is always going to be on the so spot. So I'm going to go with Hannibal Lecter, Darth Vader. Uh, let's see. I'd even. I, I I'd have to switch between Darth Vader and Darth Sidious, depending on which part of the trilogy you're watching. If you're watching the early ones, Darth Sidious was, was great because he starts off as you're not knowing who he is, and he's just part of the Senate, and I am the Senate. Anyway, uh, so, yep, Vader, Sidious, Hannibal Lecter, let's see, I would say Voldemort, just because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Uh, let's go with, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and uh, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, which I have to get you to see. Okay, so that's four. You got one more. Oh, I got one more. Okay. Uh, what's that? You throw, you throw Norman Bates in there? Norman Bates, I, 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 that's a good one to put in there. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure there wasn't anybody else that you... I, I think it's a pretty good list. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely just Vader. right off the top of my I head. I mean, yeah. Vader was big when I was young, so even though he was a resident bad guy, you kind of felt sorry for him, for him towards the end. You know, the Emperor oh, yeah. would be another good one, too. Absolutely. And I, it just shows that I'm a huge Star Wars fan because two of my five are from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, we're not it's, we're not going to put a lot of thought into this. It's just going to be a pop, pop question each week. Um, as you can tell, Terrence answered it on the spot, even though that might not be his final five choices if he actually sat down and thought about exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. But very good. I'm pretty impressed. So, um, as you heard from the trailer that we played at the beginning of this, we will be talking about Disney's 1982 Tron. So, Terrence, if you would like to take it away. Absolutely. So, we are getting into Tron, Episode 3. Awesome, right? Okay, so, it was original release date, 
was July 9th, 1982. Its budget was 17 million estimated, right? right. Uh, and approximately 44 million. Yeah, 44 million today. Uh, in the box office it made 33 million and by today's standards you're looking at about 86 million. And you just see how much inflation's been went up since 1982. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it shows in all the ones that we've done how much there yeah, but, is, but, is but from price 1939, difference. this is not that that's long true. ago. That's true. Yeah, that's not long ago right. at all. Uh, it's runtime, your average movie length, about an hour and 36 minutes. The director was Steven Lisberger. Am I saying that right? I, I don't know if I'm, I'm saying sure. that right. Lisberger. <laughs> uh, he was also the writer. Uh, there was also a co-writer. I forgot to put his name in here. Okay. It didn't really hit it. I only found it on one place. We'll, so. we'll put that in our fill-in <laughs> information episode. <laughs> our special episode. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the sound mix, we're looking at a 70mm 6-track. That's 70mm prints. Uh, Dolby, you know, digital kind of thing. Oh, actually, no, this was before Dolby Digital. This was just straight Dolby. Um, it was in color. Uh, at aspect ratio, we're looking at about... 2.20 to 1 uh, on the 70 millimeter prints and the 2.39 to 1 uh, for the 35 millimeter prints. Uh, the camera, they used a Mitchell FC 65 model, uh, a super Panavision 70 lens, Panavision cameras and lenses. Uh, now, I know there was a lot of interesting effects that they had to do because they had to both animate and film this, uh, and we'll get that into some trivia facts. Yes, now, we will. Um, I, w- I didn't have time to really dive into the camera, so unfortunately, uh, I don't have really any extra information. Um, but you do have those models if you wanted to look it up for yourself for those uh, uh, tape junkies out there that want to check out this camera that they used. Okay. Um, so the uh, laboratory they used was Technicolor Hollywood uh, in California. Have you been there? I don't think I've been to Technicolor. I might have seen the building, uh, but I've definitely been to a lot of places in Hollywood. It's it's a fun little place to be. I've seen the Did stars. Did you go to the Hollywood sign? The oh yeah, of course. Nice. Uh, it's really hard to get there though. So really? it's you go through all these residential places where you cannot park, or they'll get really mad if you try to park. So you have to park an obnoxiously long way. Like you're gonna take a mile and a half, two mile hike just to get close to it because they make sure it's really hard to get to uh on top of that obviously they don't want people vandalizing the sign or anything uh which they've showcased in a many of movies and cartoons where they make jokes uh so back to you know the tron stuff uh we're looking at a negative format because they had to use uh that to get their effect that they're looking for um they're you're using back to 35 millimeter uh, also horizontal and 65 millimeter the Cinematograph, uh, cinemagraphic process. Uh, they used a Panavision, uh, anamorphic or anam, anam, uh, anamorphic. Yes, <laughs> got a little tongue tied there. So uh, Panavision anamorphic uh, for some of the live action scenes. Super thirty five for some of the li- live action scenes. Super Panavision seventy, and finally VistaVision computer generated layers. Now there is so much equipment with this movie because they had to do so many different things to make the movie happen. And if you've seen the movie, which you should have, uh, prefacing this episode, um, you can tell that uh, a lot of special effects went into it, uh, a lot of art went into it. Uh, it. It was definitely a process to get this movie done. Um, and so now we're going to jump into awards. 
uh, right off the bat, uh, we're going to go with the big ones, Oscars. So they got nominated for Best Costume Design. Uh, and the costume designers were uh, Elois Jensen and Rosanna Norton. Um, in the future, I'm probably going to butcher some of these names. You can always well, correct, we, we correct all me. We speak the... the King's English anyway, so that's <laughs> exactly. okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then they also got a nominee for Best Sound. Uh, so you're looking at uh, Michael uh, Minkler, Bob Minkler, Lee Minkler, James LaRule. So whole family working on the sounds, uh, but yeah, no, you can you can definitely tell while watching the movie a lot of care went into sounds to get you know the effects they wanted. So uh, I don't know it beat them out, but uh, they definitely did a good job and deserve the nomination at the very least. Uh, they got uh, Saturn Awards back again. Uh, this time, you know, obviously here with Tron, and they got the they they won one in the Saturn Award. They won best costume. And they got a nominee for Best Science Fiction Film and Best Animated Film. Uh, which is interesting because it's half animated and half live and action. We'll find out a little bit more exactly. about stuff like that here in a little and bit. And I've always wondered how they categorize those type of movies. I mean, you got, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You had, uh, what was the one, the other one? It was, uh... uh, uh yeah, I know I what forgot. you're talking yeah. about. But, but, but then again, those came later than Tron 2. That's true, too. So... This as far is, as like, where do, where do those fit as far as like movie animation? I don't, I don't really know. It's technically both, right? I have to look into that. <laughs> All right. So uh, other awards, they got the Guinness World Record for first use of computer generated animation by Steven Lesberger, the director, uh, and the Disney movie Tron was the first major motion feature, yeah, major motion feature to fully utilize. The animation and stuff. Uh, animation yeah. and live action. And live action. Movie, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, one of the last notable ones, they got the Young Artist Award uh, nominated for Best Family Feature, Animated, Musical, or Fantasy category. And do you know what? This is probably the first movie that really incorporated live action and animation in movie history. Oh, yeah. And that's that's a big thing because it really did set the stage for other ones to happen. Um you know, some big hits like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or Space Jam even. Yep. And so we'll just jump right into the synopsis. And so here we go. Arcade owner hacker Kevin Flynn is transported inside a computer after he tries to hack into one of the files to prove that he is the rightful owner to several video games that have been stolen. It is there he must team up with Tron to outsmart the master control program who has thrown them into a real-life video game. Will Flynn and Tron be able to escape, or will it be game over? Game over. And uh, we're going to hit the main cast, and as you will be able to see, that the main cast, most of the people played two characters, one in the real life and then one when they they inside the computer. sort of persona. Yeah, their counterpart, because they were all programs written by their perspective character. It's it's pretty crazy, because back then, when this was just like at the beginning of the computer age, so a lot of these terms for the characters were actually terms for the computers, like ROM, you know, and, and stuff. You'll see... Um, so the main the main character Jeff Bridges he plays Kevin Flynn, but his uh, counterpart inside is Clue, which is pretty interesting. Then you have Bruce Boxleitner, who was played uh, who played Alan Bradley, and he also played Tron in this film. David Warner, he actually played three parts. He had Ed Dellinger, Sark, and he played the Master Control Program. Cindy Morgan, 
she pl played Laura, and she also played Yori. Barnard Hughes, he played Dr. Walter Gibbs, and he also played Dumont. Dan Shore, he played Ram, and he also Popcorn Coworker. Peter Jurassic, Jurassic, he played Crom. And Stuart Thomas, he played Peter, and Sark's Lieutenant as Tony Stefano. So Terrence, we're about to dive into some unknown trivia and facts. Maybe Let's you do know it. some of these, maybe you don't, but we'll get your little input as we go along. Let's do it. Did you know that this Tron was actually disqualified from the Academy Awards for special effects because they thought that the use of a computer was cheating? You know, that was one that we we did talk about a little off to the side, and that's still crazy to think about because you think about movies today. Uh, totally computer-generated. Everything's computer-generated. I mean, obviously, there's some... Uh, practical effects that are still in use but a majority of things are computer generated green screens even for simple scenes you got green screen going on so for it to be at that point where it's like oh no that's cheating and now it's just widely used it's it's crazy to think about right the name tron for this movie is named after electronic they took tron out of electronic which is like you were saying it's fun that they took uh, everybody's name is has something to do with computers right and that's that's really fun Video games were brought on set to help the mood of this movie. Jeff Bridges got so involved in playing them, it is said that it was hard for them to get him to leave them to go shoot series or scenes for the movie. I didn't know this, and I love this fact. I mean, A, I'm a huge fan of Jeff Bridges. And I, you're I a like, huge video game fan. Exactly. And just to know that he couldn't pull him away from have you the, ever got the arcade so, cabinets. Have you ever got great. so enamored in a video game that you look at your watch and like a couple hours have passed because you got so involved in the storyline that you Absolutely. just couldn't stop? Absolutely. More in my younger days. Like Nowadays, I'm just like, oh, I got an hour. I got to get as go far to as I can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but definitely in my younger days when I had more time, I would get completely enamored by a story a video game particularly uh you know without getting too deep into it but rpgs rpgs are always surrounded by a really in-depth story uh, particularly back in that time you know uh, i'd say late 90s early 2000s uh, other game types were still trying to find their footing so rpgs were the place to go for deep stories so yeah i would definitely get enamored i can see exactly how jeff bridges would get into a game even if it's just an arcade game because well, it's like i gotta beat the high score well you're lucky because back when i was younger there were no save points so you would have to just stay on there like if you were going to school and you were playing mario or something you just had to pause it and pray yep. that the electricity didn't go out in your house because if it went off you had to start all over I actually started with the Atari and the Intellivision. Right. Yeah. I remember one time, Mom, if you're listening, that my mom was so into Pac-Man that she couldn't stop. She was up all night of the hours, and she had found the pattern in Pac-Man to go around, and they couldn't catch her. And she was just rolling the timer, and she just she That's just amazing, because each ghost does have its own pattern that if you know it, you can definitely find a way around it. Right. A quick little fun story about that. I had a – it was on the Game Boy – it was Pokemon Yellow. I'm not going to get into that whole game, but what was interesting about it is I found this uh, this game cartridge like on the side of the road. It was all beat up, and I'm like, well, I'm going to try to get it to work. It did work, but the problem is it wouldn't save. So I had to constantly restart the game and try to beat it before the batteries died, which I finally did accomplish, but I basically had to beat that game in one sitting. Well, so it was I mean, definitely a weekend task. That's probably where somebody rolled down their window and just chucked it out to the side of the road because they got <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this film was initially said to be a failure. The video games released 
about the movie after it were a great hit. In fact, the video games grossed more than the movie. Now, that I'm not surprised. This is when video games exploded into the market. Uh, and it was it was a big boom, and then they, they dropped a little bit. Uh, people thought they were going to go away, and then it came back. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely not a surprising fact, but very interesting uh, all the same. I remember going to the local malls here and going inside the local – they used to have an actual arcade in the malls. And I remember the Tron – video game the thing the stand-up video game and yeah. a little joystick i don't know if you ever played it i have oh I've, man it was hard i'm even though i'm a modern gamer i still and have always appreciated playing old cabinet arcades uh there's a in san francisco i believe it's pier 13 there is sort of a arcade museum of just arcades all the arcade cabinets throughout the ages and you can play all these games uh i believe tron's one of them or at least used to be i don't know if they switched things up or not i only went there once yeah i think uh, there's a big uh, arcade in chicago too that has yeah. all the old ones too there is a flicker scene throughout the computer world that was a total mistake by the film crew these were left in the movie to help simulate being inside of a computer Steven Lisberger removed them from the 2011 Blu-ray as he said they were not intended to be in his final movie, which I just rewatched this the other day, and I unfortunately had the newer version, so I didn't get yeah. the Flickr version. But how cool would that have been just from a mistake to make it look like they were inside the computer? I've actually noticed that because I've always been a huge fan of this film since I was a kid, and even now I still really love this film. And I very vividly remember the older version, and every copy I find now is of the new Blu-ray right. edition, and it, there's something that it gives it that character when it has those lines and it gives you that feel that like, oh, this is inside a computer and it kind of reminds you. And I, I think they should have just kept it, yeah. you know, just kind of a, as an artistic take. A lot of uh, Disney animators refused to work on Tron for fear of being replaced by computers. Eventually, many of them were about 20 years later yeah, and it that's... paved the way for Pixar. <laughs> Oh, yeah, who so came in and... They were... Absolutely. Right, so they had a right to be worried, but just because they didn't work on it still didn't mean the computer... Exactly. I mean, and that's how always technology has been. It's always how it's going to be. It's either you update your skills and get with the times or be left behind, and you know? Uh, so I, at the same, I feel sorry for him, but at the same time as an artist, it's like, okay, you're going to have to learn to get into this new because space. Because Disney, you know, their animation, that's what they were known for. I exactly. Mean, all those movies that they came out with, you know, Cinderella, Snow White, etc. That's what they were big, you know, they were known for. And yeah. then something like this, well, we don't know, you know what yeah. I mean? So. Technology had not yet been created to film live actors and computer-generated animation. Most of the live-action scenes were shot. Then hand-drawn animation was later added to get the visuals desired. Great job of editing allowed a, a almost flawless execution of such technique as seen with the light cycles. I love the light cycles. That's one of my cycles. favorite scenes. But you know what? After rewatching, I think I like where they have the... Um, they almost look like tennis rackets, but they're hooks. And they've got the light ball that drops. And they oh, throw, yeah. And if it hits the ground... Then it takes away it that takes away space. That, that circle. Like and a they bullseye. keep going until they, they fall. Keep going. Yeah. So... That's a great part of the movie if you haven't seen it. Um, also, we'll talk about this right now too. Well, since we're here, is uh, the actual the they were actually frisbees. You know what I mean? Oh they yeah. They were they were known as the disc, and whatever they did inside inside Tron or inside the video game, that was imprinted onto that disc. Yep. And All I their data and everything they do. When is I on was that a kid, disc. I used to act like I was trying you know, to hold it up into the air. Oh, you know, we catch it, <laughs> do twirls and throw it, try to hit each other with a frisbee. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 
See, we didn't have all the stuff you guys had. We had to come up with our own stuff. No, I, I still played with sticks and stones all the same. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, okay, so especially being born in 1990, I was at that, that middle point just right before technology happened. So I so still the played po- out in Power the Rangers, right? Oh, I love Power Rangers. <laughs> exactly. Yes, absolutely. See, we were Voltron. <laughs> I still watch Voltron, too. Okay, back to it. Wendy Carlos composed the score for Tron. However, the music was not available for many years due to the degradation of the original tapes. When the 20th anniversary rolled around, technology had been developed to restore the music for a limited time. She is also known for doing music for A Clockwork Orange as well as The Shining. An amazing job with all this movie and those two movies. You know what? I I just have a respect now more now for composers especially we know psycho and and this movie you know a lot of and like gone with the wind the overture that they did Absolutely. a lot of a lot of that's lost today in today's mo- movies you know what i mean because they're all focused about getting that that rising star the the popular star of the time and just throw a song together and yeah sing there it. are some movies with amazing tracks though like uh, I, I would say um, lord of the rings lord of the rings star amazing. wars john williams all memorable anything john williams does exactly and that, i think that's a huge thing that you're missing in sort of uh all of the marvel movies with the exception of a couple most of it is like you were saying just all, uh, stuff done from other artists nothing original uh the biggest one that i i know it when i hear it and that's uh, black panther that did have its own unique soundtrack uh with of course a couple artists but they did actually put some care into a soundtrack it's memorable unlike some of the other ones if they did have an original one i don't well it's like guardians of the galaxy used a lot of older movie exactly so but at least that was in theme because that was sort of the whole theme of it all and but yeah uh moving on so here's another interesting fact the computer used for the special effects only had two megabytes of memory and 330 megabytes of storage that's, I think you have more on your phone over there than. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean it's you can you can take a picture with a camera and it'll have like four or five times more the memory than this. It's it's crazy how this used to be a lot of memory versus now where you're where like, it's not even a yeah a drop in the bucket you know exactly. Uh, in the scenes with the live actors in the computer world, the camera almost never moves. The camera was set on a tripod and nailed to the floor. It has been said that not even a car wrecking into it would have moved it. There was a total of only about 12 shots where the camera moves with the actors. I'm going to have to rewatch it just to catch that. I, because that's that I, I paid attention. It's pretty cool. To, to pull that off, because usually if you have a still camera, um, it really does take away from the movie. Right. But it was on a tripod, too, so you, yeah. they could move it. But they, you know, the yeah, act, yeah. But, so they but can still, still you don't get those sort of uh, really dynamic shots that you get with some other movies. But it still worked. I mean, it absolutely worked. Right. Uh, Jeff Bridges and Bruce Boxleitner were the only two actors to appear in Tron in 1982 and Tron Legacy in 2010. Did you see Tron Legacy? Oh yeah, I watched Tron. I Legacy. thought it was very good, even though it flopped again. So. All the live action that occurred inside the computer was shot in black and white, and color was later added. Which really worked with the suits. Really worked with the suits. The Incom laser bay was real and used for nuclear fusion research in the 70s and 80s. It was housed at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory and could deliver up to 28 trillion watts of power on a target. That I didn't know, and that's pretty awesome to know that. That is pretty awesome. I mean, that they actually use a real laser. Right. <laughs> 
There was a contaminated area during the NCOM exterior shooting, and even Cindy Morgan stepped into it and had to have her shoes decontaminated. Oh, wow. So I guess it was still an active place. Yeah. Decon is not fun. No. It's a, lar- it's a really timely process. Here's, here's another interesting fact. The Black Hole in 1979 and Tron in 1982 both did so poorly at the box office that it would be 10 years later before Disney would release a live-action movie. Oof. I mean, they probably was like, hey, we're making our, our our bread and butter is with animation, you know. Yeah. But like you said, these be- Tron became a cult following, you know, later on. Uh, Cindy Morgan is said to have traded her Yori costume for Alexis. I mean, why not? <laughs> why not? That must. I mean, be- you still got the memory, so I mean, if you, yeah, that, that, if it's enough to buy Alexis, <laughs> so enough said about that. Yeah, like, yeah. if I was on a movie set, sure, I'll keep something. But I mean, uh, would you trade your once coat the right value, now for the value uh, goes up? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, on Sark's control screen, just after the light cycles escape, a famous video game persona makes an appearance. That's right, Pac-Man can be seen on screen and even audio from his video game. This I had, I did catch. And there's also another scene where you can hear the, you know, where he's like Pac-Man's chopping. Yeah, you can actually hear that too. Now said to be a monumental in computer-generated graphics, actually only about 20 minutes used the highly praised graphics. Huh. I guess from the actual combining of the two. Yeah. Only 20 minutes of it. Uh, Mickey Mouse can be seen on the ground in the form of a shadow during the solar sailor scene. It's that I did not it know. It is really cool. If you if you haven't seen it, you need to pull that up and check that out. Yeah, I'm going really cool. to have to Because I was like, it. really? Yeah. So I was, you know, when they get in the solar sailor thing and I was I was watching the background, I was like, man, I don't see it. I don't see it. The next thing you know, there he is. That was another favorite scene of mine. I, I just liked how the, the solar sailor looked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Flynn is playing a portable game, Coleco Electronic Quarterback, when Alan and Laura are talking to him in his room. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you ever play those? Yeah, I did. They had different kinds of them. Uh, the move, uh, or sorry, the movie was released in the summer of, of 82 with terrible results at the box office. Subsequently, it was re-released in February of 83, which was even worse at the box office. Oof. They so, tried a year later, and it's still... Yeah, I mean... Man. Yeah, you got to wait for for cult classics. That's yeah. the thing. You, you don't know it's a cult classic I mean, until I just, it's too late. I just want to know their marketing. Like, hey, this was so terrible. Let's put it out there again and see, right. see what comes up. No. A total of 569 people worked on this film. That's a huge crew. But That's a huge crew. But you got to remember all the anima- animatronics and computer Animation, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Dr. Gibbs started... Or yeah, started what became a huge company from his garage in this Disney film. Might be a nod to the actual Walt Disney who did this as well. Hmm. I did not know Walt Disney started from his garage, did you? I did not, but it seems a lot of big juggernaut companies all started from the garage. I mean, Bill Gates started from a garage. Amazon started from a garage with Jeff Bezos. Uh, you got, you know, uh, Walt Disney from a garage. It's, it's really crazy. It's like a lot of people back then started yeah. from that. So... If you get an idea, we need to start it in the garage. Know, right? Maybe we'll move this podcast to the garage and start filming. <laughs> <laughs> Peter O'Toole was approached about playing Flynn. However, after reading the script, he was interested in playing Tron. I always think it's interesting when that happens. When you have an actor that reads a script, be like, I love this script, but I really want to play this character instead. Right. And, and sometimes they, they have to negotiate with the other And then they don't actor. even get to be in the movie. That, yeah. That. I mean, like the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> they were just trading scripts back and forth. You know, the scarecrow's yep. like, hey, I'll switch you. you know? Pretty much. Get that whole negotiation. Come on, let's switch. Actual frisbees were thrown about in the in the game grid, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. 
the great arcade game Space Invaders was a major influence on this film. And you can tell, especially with the, uh, I don't know the actual names, but those big sort of security robots. Yeah, that come yeah, through. yeah, yeah. you can definitely see the influence in those. Uh, when breaking into income, Alan says Flynn is a little like Santa Claus. A little while later, when you see Flynn hacking into the computer, his password is Reindeer Flotilla. <laughs> so I guess he is technically hilarious. kind of like Santa Claus. <laughs> Uh, when Tron emerges between two walls after Ram's death, oh, sorry, spoiler alert, uh, it is not circuit, circuitry on them, but actually World War II reconnaissance footage of Dresden, Germany. That is very interesting. Very interesting. Huh. It's these little, it's these little things they throw into movies. Maybe a nod to another director or another time, or in this case, World War II. Exactly. That I always find interesting. I love it. Uh, the ideal for this movie came about because Steven Lisberger was addicted to Pong. Another classic. The, oh, the, the one of the classic. original, the, the original OG video game. video game that started it all. <laughs> right, Pong. I'm a and it was just, Pong. And it was just nothing. It was just two bars <laughs> yep, and a two bars and, and a ball. ball. That was all it was. Uh, MCP forces uh, program and video warriors or MCP forces program and video warriors to fight to the death. This is a nod to gladiators of ancient Greece, where they would fight to the death. Now MCP being the master, master control, control program. program. Who's basically taken over the computer. Exactly, yeah. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, in 2017 was influenced by this movie. Did I you have, see that? I have sadly not seen it. It's, really? on my, it's high on my to-watch list. I just have not it's had the time. Very, it's very entertaining. I, I love all say. the actors, and that's why I want to see yeah, it. Especially Jack Black. Jack Black <laughs> has always been hilarious. Wait till you see the movie. That, that's all I'm saying. Uh, one inspiration for this film was Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus. Have you seen Spartacus? I'm Spartacus. I've seen that a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, when Alan walks to Dillinger's office at the beginning of the movie, his footsteps do not match the sound. <laughs> uh, Tron was originally planned to be a cartoon. Which it eventually did. Uh, I don't know what year. And I think Elijah Wood was actually uh, one, he of was one of the voices. The, I think it's yeah. Tron Uprising. It was Tron Uprising. And it, unfortunately, there's only a handful of episodes. It got canceled pretty quickly. But I... I'm a huge fan of Tron. I, I love the original. I'd love Tron Uprising, uh, Tron Legacy, and even some of the games that followed with these releases. But it just, it never quite hit the mark in any of the releases. Nope. They never did good. It always becomes a cult classic in the end. <laughs> and it's just so sad to see this wonderful universe be so underrated, right. I think. Uh, Liz Berger had a no-gun policy. That is why frisbees were used. He figured if they did get in a fight at home, the worst thing that could happen is to get him in the head with a frisbee. That's a. F I mean, if you want to make a family-friendly movie, that's the right. best way to I go mean, about it. Because you can have fun with the frisbee, like you were saying. Well, yeah, you can. And you know, your imagination plays a, a lot more into it when you were younger too. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? we, yeah. we come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. Cowboys for the Indians, imagination is right? the best. This was what I thought was probably the most interesting thing I found. It was, it was Tron was originally going to have a Star Wars crawl opening explaining the film, and this is what it stayed there said. This is the story of two worlds and the beings that inhabit them. One of these is our world, the one we can see and feel, the world of the users. It lies on our side of the video screen. The other, an electronic micro-civilization, lives and breathes just beyond our grasp. This is the world of the programs. Because we, the users, have created this new world. Part of us lives there, too, on the other side of the screen. That's really interesting. That is really interesting. I wish they would have threw that in there. Well, okay, so here is, is my take on it. I believe if you have a good movie, you 
you'll you will learn this while watching the movie. I I think it's a little bit of a cop out to have to explain what's going on. I, I think it should be explained during the movie. Now, given there are some movies, i.e., Star Wars, uh, where you have to explain because the movie's already long, and to try to fit all that information would be difficult because you're already strapped for time. Um, but not only that, with Star Wars, they would tell one story, and then the next movie, three years later, so much time has passed. Exactly. They tried and to backfill what happened. This yep. was the original movie, though, so exactly. they probably could have got away with just like they did. Yeah, exactly, because everything is pretty straightforward as you're watching the movie, and you do get all of this information while watching. And I don't know, does Lucas have a, or Lucasfilm have a copyright on the, the crawl? I don't know. That's because I've never question. seen any other movie do that. I mean, I've seen just, like, it come up on the screen and say... Whatever, you yeah. know, like this film is set in blah, blah, blah. But I've never seen another crawl. Outside of Star Wars, just parodies of Star Wars will make fun of the crawl. Right. Uh, but Spaceballs. I love Spaceballs. <laughs> We're going to have to do that one now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I thought that was probably the most interesting thing. Uh, Jeff Bridges says he still has his hat that he wore in Tron and that he wears it all day at least once a week for inspiration. He seems like such a fun dude. <laughs> I, just wanna, I just want to hang out with him one day. Right. Hopefully he has the Tron hat on. With that would him. be great. <laughs> Most of the outfits wore by the actor and actresses were dark and gray and made out of styrofoam, which would squeak when they moved. Then This noise was taken <laughs> out during post-production. They have all said that working on the set was depressing. Because, yeah. I mean, they were all in gray and black. As yep. I said, it was so depressing. I would imagine. That they would show up in actual colorful you know, clothes to the set. Yep. Trish trying to liven it up. But I don't know if I could keep a straight face if, you know, me squeak, and you were being here that, you know, every time, every time you're <laughs> because I, like, even if you get wet shoes and you walk onto a set or something. Right. Like, oh, I always uh, hate that. I'm so glad my shoes aren't doing that right now. <laughs> the evil programs were intended to be yellow at first, but ended up being red. I like that choice. I do too. And, you know, we always like to end on. Um, the salaries of the movie of the cast I could not find the salaries for these people and and I thought that was really weird because it's a newer film yeah I thought it'd be easier to pull up the information exactly no that. such luck though if I can find it or if somebody knows where it is email it to me at the tragedy of cinema at gmail.com and I'll throw it into our mini episode that we'll be doing here in a few weeks um, with some other stuff that we found so Terrence give me your final thoughts on this movie Final thoughts of the movie. So I'll start off with on my my personal scale of watch it, don't watch it, niche. I say it's at least worth a shot once. Now, it has aged, and for some people it hasn't aged well. I know we were talking about it off to the side uh, where you're saying it hasn't aged so much gracefully. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of corniness in it. Um, I like that stuff. Uh, so I have watched it recently, not recently enough to catch all the little stuff. So I do have to watch it again to catch like the Mickey Mouse shadow and uh, some of the other you know little things that you can see in there. But as far as how it aged for me, it aged very well. But it's also a huge part of my childhood. Once again, this was something my dad sat me down. He's like, "Let's watch this movie. It's amazing." And I've always been enamored by it. And so it's definitely at least a watch once um if you're not so much into i'd say sort of sci-fi kind of fantasy maybe not your cup or of tea. computers or computers yeah uh but i think if, if you're if you're into sci-fi but not so much that that would be a weird thing i'm not into computers but i like sci-fi because those usually go hand in hand right for me i think um i i went back and rewatched it. i have vague memories of when i was younger so i went back and rewatched it a couple of days ago and you know it I don't know what to say. I I enjoyed it, 
but it, it's not quite what I remembered. I guess because I'm so used to all the new computer-generated graphics and everything that has come out since then, I appreciate Tron for what it did for the movie industry because this is like one of the first time I remember, you know, the throwing the balls around, you know, besides the original Star Wars, you know, the, the, the games that they were thrust into. Yeah. And just from my childhood, I loved the movie. My dad, on the other hand, he hated this movie. And he told me, he's like, really, Tron? You guys are doing Tron? I hated that movie. And you can tell him that. So, Dad, I'm telling him that you hated it. So if you have a problem, talk to my dad. But I would say if, if you like a good movie, um, if you like Jumanji, the, the newer Jumanji, give it a shot. You're going to see that the graphics are outdated. But there's just enough comedy in this movie. It's not over the top. Um, it tells a good story, especially like the Wizard of Oz where, the, oh, this guy played him, this guy played Tron, you know what I mean? And it t- brings them all together, and the story is really well told at the end. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So Absolutely. And then I would like say I was, okay. at least watch it once yeah. uh, if you choose to. If you want to pass on it, that's fine too. But I really enjoyed it when I was a kid. Now that I'm older, I still appreciate it for what it was, but it's still not where it was for me when I was a kid. Exactly. For the first time I watched it. And, and I think a big thing that, you know, we touched on earlier was it does do a great job in explaining what's going on along the way so you never feel lost. Right. Because there is a lot going on. There's a lot of computer terms that aren't even used today that are thrown around in, in this movie. That's true, too, yeah. So if you don't know what some of these people, if you look up the cast of characters and you don't know what some of these things were in the computer terminology, look them up before you watch this movie because you will be lost. Because... Uh, there's a thing where the user Jeff Bridges gets thrown in there, and you know these other people that are, that he meets inside this are actually programs. Yep. And they're like, "Well, my user said." And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> he's like, I'm a user." You know, and I was exactly, like, "Exactly, yeah." And so these, he's, he's interacting with these programs. I just thought that was pretty funny. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think one of them was uh, he's basically a program that is used for accounting. Right. Right. right for a bank. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, well, he's like, I don't even know why I'm here. You know. He's yeah. Because like, they were they were in the I I'm an accountant at a bank or exactly. whatever. Exactly. They were they were in the the prison cells right right before the games. And he was like, I sh- I shouldn't be here. I'm a program for accounting. Right. And I think it's Ram, if I remember right. He's talking to um he's talking to a couple of them. He's like. And uh, Jeff Bridges' clue comes in, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't even need to know your name pretty much because everybody dies that comes in. Or they, pretty This much. master control program is overtaking this computer yep. or all these computers that are trying to break in there. So, like I said, watch it at least once. Um, I found my copy for $3.33. So it's not going to break the bank, or even if you can rent it, I think two ninety nine on YouTube. Yeah, um, I would say watch it. Or if you have an original copy laying around, definitely watch that VHS, instead on of VHS. The, exactly and see you, on VHS. And let us know if you can find the uh, flickering colors that we talked about versus the newer one. So um, you can reach us, like I said earlier, at thetragedyofcinema.com. Um, also, if you listen to our podcast, please tell a friend, share it on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Absolutely. whatever. Um, the more, the, the merrier. <laughs> it is the tragedy of cinema. Uh, so I have a quick question before we wrap. Oh so, yeah, we're not wrapping uh, up. So. Yeah, exactly. So uh, obviously, with your editing, you already had the trailer pulled up. Now this is a trailer from the '80s. So does it have that narrator like in a world? Okay, so program. So there's two trailers that that I found that were original. The one I did like in a world of video games. Yep. But I can't get that one to come into this computer. We're gonna look at that here. In gotcha. A minute. But the other one is just like you know, it's got the the old music and then it okay, talks yeah. about it, and then at the end it's like Tron. So um, we'll have to we'll have yeah, to play can, with that here. It's funny because you can always tell sort of an era movie is from if you hear the uh, the yeah, preview in a world exactly yeah. in a world of programs and video games. <laughs> one I, man will save them with a frisbee. I, I I love those old trailers. You know what I mean? It's so, great. Um, you got any final thoughts? 
Final thoughts. Uh, I believe we we've talked about you know what we're thoughts were on on tron and i've pretty much gotten everything out uh i would definitely say if you liked tron and you haven't checked out all the extended stuff oh, tron that legacy. being tron legacy uh which i really love what daft punk did with the soundtrack because it's still very tron but it's also very daft i punk. like how they got jeff bridges to look so young again that too that was a great computer Absolutely, they're getting really good at that. Like in the now, I haven't seen it yet, and I really need to before I see Endgame. But in Captain Marvel, they make Samuel Jackson look young again, Hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, that's the young Samuel Jackson." They did a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, the next movie that we will be covering, we have I think the next three or four weeks planned out. Um, This will probably come out. We're going to be trying to do weekly, but right now it's more like biweekly. We had a little. Uh, personal issues come up these last couple of days. So uh, Terrence wasn't available. I wasn't available. Work schedules. So it's it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm about to switch jobs. So that things have been up in the air. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fall into a normal schedule. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to uh, see if we're going to continue to do every other week or, you know, see if we can switch to a weekly thing. Right. Or we may even... Uh, do like three or four episodes in one sitting that way but i'll just release them a week at a time that way we got a little bit of a bumper room so we, yeah. in case something emergency comes up we'll definitely go over that and figure out what we're going to do there if you have any suggestions for a movie i know we have one guy that sent me a whole list by decades thanks Dwayne. <laughs> yes thank awesome. you so much that was a great uh, list and i loved that it's organized by what by decade it came it out is in. awesome so we are going to be pulling a lot off that list but for the next one uh we will be doing the breakfast club and I know some people have been wanting us to do some comedies. Uh, so this is... Have you seen The Breakfast Club? I have, yeah. It's, it's been, been a, a long time. So this is actually going to have to be a rewatch for me. Right. Because I haven't... I watched it maybe twice. So. It's, it's been a while. I yeah, remember. I need to make I just remember the, the kids being in detention. Exactly, <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah. well, we could relate to something. Exactly, exactly. So um, until then, I think that this is a wrap. Not yet. Hold on. Oh, well, One last thing. That. So as far as our upload schedule... Uh, if you share this on you know all our different stuff, all your own social media, if we get more people and we see that a lot of you know a lot more people want to see our content, then we will press to go for a weekly. That we you know if we see a lot of a surge of people like we need more tragedy of cinema. This is great. Well, Terrence, don't you think you should have ran that by me before now? <laughs> he's he's committing me to something I haven't even talked to him about. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, obviously our goal is to get a lot more out. Absolutely. There's so many movies that we like and enjoy that, and there's so some many to burn through. Some that some that some on that list I haven't seen, or if I have, it's I don't remember. And it'll be great to rescreen it. Oh, and yeah. see what's up with oh, that. Yeah. So now I think we're ready to say that you can follow us on SoundCloud. Actually, do we have our SoundCloud I don't up yet? Think That's so. the one thing we don't have up yet. Okay, so you can find us on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. And, and Stitcher. I, and Stitcher. I always forget about Stitcher. <laughs> so until next time when we talk about the Breakfast Club, that's a wrap. Oh, yeah. And, and cut. cut.